Welcome to the Forest FM podcast, episode 119. I'm Killian Vina. And I'm Zoe Bilil Springer. This week on the show, we're joined by educator and Minnesota-based salon owner Amanda Olusanya to discuss first the idea of building people individual to their strengths, needs, and goals, and second, ways to gain your salon's top producer's loyalty. So, grab yourself a cup of coffee, sit back, relax, and join us weekly for all your salon's business and marketing needs. Good morning, Zoe. Good morning, Killian. Before we get into the show, I have to say, now you've been mentioning Forest Academy for a few episodes already. And I have to say, I promised you I'd try it out. I'd do the course. I started it last night and it is fantastic. <laughs> Everything is so crystal clear that the screens, it really, like I did the appointment screen module. It's just so much easier to understand how to use the product. So you didn't feel like you and needed And also you to... have your voice there. <laughs> yeah, I have Forest FM branded all over our new training content. Uh, <laughs> uh, so you didn't feel like you needed to sit down and have someone hold your hand going through the courses then, no? Oh my God, no. I was actually like sitting down at the end of the day. I know I mentioned this yesterday to you. I was like, I'm going to do it at the end of the day. And you were like, training at the end of the day? That's kind of odd. Um, no, but I actually enjoy that. It's like a nice way to finish off the workday and then move on to, to my evening go get dinner or something. So yeah, it was uh, it's actually really, really good. I'm looking forward to the second module tonight. Great stuff. Well, speaking of education, because we love education, our guest today is also another firm believer in education. Welcome, Amanda. Thank you so much. Good to be here. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thank you. So speaking of education, Amanda, you're actually an Aveda qualified educator. Is that right? Yeah, absolutely. I've been with them since probably 2004, and I specialize in men's. And education has always been a part of my commitment to growing and mastery. And it's always been very important to me. And now that I'm getting into business and a salon owner, I'm taking that same approach and kind of educating myself in business just the same. And I think it's just as important as kind of mastering hair. Well, that's it. You have to have one of those growth mindsets. And that's like one of our forest values here is like, always be learning just like keep digesting as much education as much information as you can which is uh it's a growth mindset or a, a great mindset which is actually a growth mindset yeah yeah <laughs> hashtag let's grow <laughs> <laughs> nice little plug there. would you say that it actually stems from growing up in the hair industry I, I believe your mother has been in the industry for a very long time so you've kind of been born into it <laughs> Literally, literally. Um, yes, I was born into it. But if you would have asked me at 16, did I want to do hair? My answer and I told everybody, no, I wanted nothing to do with it. And even though I respect my mother dearly, we have definitely taken different approaches on it. Um, I ended up in the men's. She ends up in kind of a, a small town, um, a lot of women. It was kind of the part that I didn't enjoy about the hair element was kind of the the you know the gossipy and the hey and how are you and I thought you had to be really fake in order to to do hair so I told everybody I didn't want to and so again I love my mother dearly but we took completely different approaches on it and um I don't think education was really available to the level that we have it today when she got into it because back then I mean Aveda didn't exist and she was going to a really small town um school and she didn't really get to uh, kind of hone in on our skills the way that I think we are able to today. So I would say that part of it's different. <laughs> Fair enough. So I suppose from previous chats, because we've been talking about 
doing this episode for a while now. Mm -hmm. Um, I know you have quite a different perspective on building teams, catering for top performers or A players. You've recently published a blog on this, actually. And since then, you've shared with us a more, I suppose, nuanced version of it. We knew the topic was going to get people talking, but what kind of feedback were you getting? Why did you go ahead and do a second version of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, the real reason is just that I took this idea and kind of refined it. You know, originally it it was my opinion. And then I kind of did some research to further my ideas about creating individual greatness. And so my original version kind of came across and people took it as if I wanted to create this company around all superstars and, you know, just kind of ignore their egos and feed into it. And that really wasn't my point. My point was that, um, you know, most companies are actually built around this 80% or the standard group or this baseline of producers, you know, however you want to call it. But this is who we create the policies around and the handbooks and the guidelines. And of course, we're always trying to raise that standard 80%. But there's also this other group, and we'll call them the A players or the outliers or the 20% of the group, the top producers, again, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, I believe if someone is outperforming or hitting their targets and don't need a lot of direction, except maybe where to aim, then I don't think that we should be treating them like the standard group. And that was more my point. So your blog is initially, or it was initially titled, Don't Build Teams, Build Stars. I know when I first came across the blog, before I even read the blog, I was sitting there going, this would be interesting. Um, Are you essentially challenging or questioning the meaning of teamwork? I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you need a good title, right? (laughs) Like you need somebody (laughs) kind of involved and kind of hear your point. So what I really want to talk about and start the conversation around is I think it's really important to talk about what team we're creating. And I believe rather than building this idea of a team and making everyone fit into this idea or this box, I think you really should um, build individuals into a great team. So for example, I think the most brilliant person who ever did this was Phil Jackson. I mean, he created superstars and then built a championship team, not the other way around. You know, he took Michael Jordan and allowed him to shine. He allowed Scottie Pippen to shine. And even Dennis Rodman, who didn't shine before he came to the Bulls in 95. But Phil Jackson saw those guys as individuals, brought out the best in them, and then created a really strong team. Then when he went over to the Lakers, he didn't rebuild the exact same team because, again, he had a new set of individuals and saw them as individuals and brought out their strengths to kind of create this really good team. And I think in you know today's world, you know, we put out these policies in place, we make people feel bad for not being a team player. But you know, through this research, I was kind of looking through Harvard Business Review, and if I may quote this, I thought it was really strong. But it said, "Our intelligence is incredibly complex, and as a result, a great individual can far exceed the value of mediocre minds." This is why it is absurd to ask the question. How many mediocre people would it take to collectively beat Kasparov in a chess match? So what it's doing is this idea is stating that individuals need to shine and that's okay. Not everyone has to be a team player and act as if uh, this contrived idea of fitting into this box. And I have also found through this research, again, you know, this, this opinion sparked my idea for this research, but I thought this was put very eloquently that our brains actually work very well individually and tend to break down in groups. 
And programmers have been found to work exponentially faster when coding. And Mark Zuckerberg actually famously quoted, a great engineer is worth more than 100 average engineers, which also sparked a good debate in uh, the business world. But, um, you know, designers often do their best work alone. And I just watched the McQueen documentary and I saw that come out. I mean, I remember him doing his best work was on the floor by himself trying to dissect what he was doing. And, you know, I think this idea generally holds true, but of course, there's every expectations. But I don't think we can discount the power of individual greatness and say everyone needs to be working in a team to have a successful company. Makes sense. I mean, I kind of relate to that in the sense that in my own team, say in Forest, I do a lot of like writing content and stuff. And I realized actually just recently coming back from working in the office full time to working from home. I actually get to produce a lot more work faster yeah. just because I'm that type of person that gets really, really offset by interactions. And, you know, that doesn't mean that I can't necessarily, I'm not feeding into the team either. Right. Um, so my question to you then is for people who naturally, I suppose, would have a strong ego, could that actually cause to strengthening their ego further down the line? Or perhaps like if obviously you've been using this system for your team in your salon, have you noticed it has actually dimmed down the strong egos? Yeah, well, a couple of things. So a great point to, you know, I think naturally we do kind of navigate to this point. And I think a lot of salon owners at some point worked at a salon and left themselves to start their own place. So I think a lot of people, especially salon owners, might feel naturally gravitated towards this idea. And I think as far as the ego, um, you know, in the Western world, ego has become this very negative word. And I don't, you know, this might be a little too philosophical, but by definition, ego is kind of a person's self-esteem or self-importance. And at the end of the day, I think we need it to survive in this world. Ego, you know, I, I study and practice yoga. And the idea is ego doesn't have to be this negative sense. Now, with that said, an unhealthy or an unbalanced ego, that's what becomes the problem. I am not suggesting in any of this that anyone keeps someone who is disrespectful or treats others poorly. Um, again, through my research, A players tend to actually have a natural self-confidence and B players tend to be you know, a little less secure and they're the ones looking for that constant external assurance so I think at the end of the day, it's about respect. And if I could kind of just speak to what an A player really is, you know, sometimes we associate with this A player with a narcissistic egomaniac who is dramatic, but studies actually show um, a few things about them. Number one, they actually have a healthy disrespect for rigid rules. And what they do is they question authority, but it's with an honest curiosity and usually because they feel like things can be better. They see problems as an opportunity and they're usually not complaining, you know, probably because they're too busy. They're not back in the break room. Right. <laughs> um, and surprisingly, this was interesting to me. But uh, through my research, I, I found that they're actually not as motivated by money as we think. They're actually motivated by winning. And that's why we see a lot of A players and startups, because they want to be a part of a grand vision and will typically work for um, equity. So. Can we give people extra recognition for a job well done? Absolutely. And I don't think it has to have a negative effect on the ego. But often, contrary to this belief, is that a lot of outliers or a lot of top producers are often overlooked because they're not attention seekers. And we often do this with clients as well. You know, we're all kind of guilty of this where we, 
you know, this client, they come in, they book every four weeks, they rebook their appointment, they tip well, they buy product. What happens is we come to expect this from them and they raise the baseline on themselves. So sometimes we just don't stop to thank them. And sometimes we're giving our attention to those extra people who kind of suck our attention or need extra nurturing. And I think, you know, if there are any parents out there, I think we uh, this has been guilty with children too, you know, the middle child syndrome who are often just overlooked, right? And so now there are times when A players don't shine well, right? Often, in fact, and, but the most common things of where they stop uh, shining well or aren't their best version is when they're dismissed, unappreciated, um, they're compared to their average counterparts, or they don't respect their high authority, or if they have um, rules that just don't make sense because the rules, you know, for example, me going through TSA, (laughs) (laughs) not my best version of myself. (laughs) But, you know, so the idea is, is kind of defining what an A player really is. And I don't think ego has to play into that. Well, it's like you said, like the A players, they are the top 20% of your team. You mentioned about Phil Jackson coach and Michael Jordan, like obviously Michael Jordan is going to have an ego. His ego is helping him get there. It's helping him be that all-star. If you look yeah. at most sports or even movie mm-hmm. stars, people go, oh, they're so like, you know, it's that kind of perspective, but they have to be. That's how they've got there. You said that money isn't always the reward. Definitely. If you're trying to be an athlete, there's probably about 20 years of your life where you'll be broke. So what are you training for? What are you kind of fighting for? Um, I suppose at least with the salon industry, you have a job, you are being paid. So it's kind of down to how Phil Jackson focused a lot of attention on him, but helped him kind of work with the team rather than kind of be the team. Mm -hmm. And I suppose where I'm going with this is like, we've talked a lot about A players and kind of egos and stuff like those. But what is the other side of your team? Yeah, well, so just kind of break down, um, if we were to break it down into A, B, and C, just kind of keep it easy. I mean, the reality is C players just suck. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's really no other way around it. You know, basically they're low producers with bad attitudes, right? You know, no one is really questioning this. Everybody knows who they are. And, you know, just make sure you're not justifying their behavior or waiting for it to get better because the best you'll ever make them really is a B player, right? So, but who is the B players? And, you know, the reality is B players kind of make up the majority of the most of our companies and they're great people. You know, they they typically get behind your vision. I've heard of them um, be called the fence jumpers. And what that means is like they sit on the fence post and, you know, if you have a majority of C's, they'll go to the C's. They'll get behind the vision of the C. If you have A players, they'll get behind the vision of the A. So the idea is that you want more A players than C because they will kind of gravitate towards whoever has the strongest vision. And typically they're not the ones coming up with the vision. You know, they tend to get behind the vision and, you know, they come to work, they have great attitudes. I do find them kind of getting really excited about the weekend. (laughs) They're the ones who love Fridays, you know, Um, but they need encouragement. They need guidance and they produce what's asked of them. And again, they make up the majority and the A players are the ones, this rare few who kind of go above and beyond. And they're probably doing side gigs on their own. You know, they come up with their own ideas. They'll offer to implement them themselves and kind of want to kind of push the boundaries a little bit. And they far exceed their goals. You know, you give them a target, they either hit it really quickly or they go beyond it. And so, again, the conversation isn't around this majority of 
great people or good people, if you will. The conversation is more around this few outlier. How can we leverage them and pull out more greatness out of them rather than stifle them and trying to put them in a box to fit into this 80%? I mean, you opened your salon in 2009. Mm -hmm. I believe you have said to me that you were a top performer (laughs) as well. You were like one of those A players. What could your former boss have done to keep you from becoming a competitor? Well, I mean, right. I'm not going to write about this if this isn't just personal to me, right? I mean, yeah, <laughs> um, yes. And I think, again, you know, speaking to a lot of salon owners, I, I really think that a lot of them fall into this category as well, where they were they just couldn't find their own way. So they went out and, and kind of started their own way because they have their own vision on things. But yes, this subject is very personal for me. You know, I loved my job. I loved my coworkers where I started out. Um, I picked that salon, I handpicked it and I was, you know, like full force going to get a job at this salon. I admire my boss to this day. We still get dinner often. He's one of the most amazing humans, but I did leave, right? Like I started and I ended up opening my own three blocks away. And in fairness, I didn't do it, um, nasty because again, we're still friends. I ended up moving to Miami because I thought there was more opportunity there, uh, FYI, there wasn't, there was not more opportunity in Miami, (laughs) but you know, I (laughs) left for a lack of opportunity. (laughs) Yeah. Side note. Um, But I did leave for a lack of opportunity and really that's what all it was about. And again, through this research and kind of having this original opinion and putting some ideas together, you know, the number one reason that A players leave is opportunity or a lack thereof, I guess they've hit a ceiling, you know, and if you don't have opportunity for them, let them create it. You know, if you don't have a training program, let them help write it, create a win-win. And again, don't tell them, no, we don't have a training program. So there's nothing we can do about it. That will drive an A player kind of crazy. Um, the other thing about A players, they absolutely want to be around other A players and they thrive in elite environment. Um, they're really motivated by vision. As I mentioned earlier, one thing that owners don't think about is offering equity. And if you have a great employee, I know people might be like, equity, I'm not going to give my company away, but let's think about this for a second. So you have a really great employee, they're a top producer, you don't want to lose them. And let's say they could buy into your vision for, let's say, I don't know, $10,000 and offer them 5% equity or even 1%. But why not? You know, you have a huge advocate behind you for your business now. You don't have a competitor. And again, we see them in a lot of startups because they want to work for equity. A couple other things that they shine in is recognition. And it's not um, kind of this facaded recognition. It's, you know, they don't need, you know, big rewards and a lot of attention. What they're really actually looking for is to be thanked for how much that they do, right? I mean, if they're pulling a lot of the weight and they're doing, you know, bigger numbers than anybody else, they should be recognized. And here's the other key, though. They only want to be recognized from other A players, people on their you know, they're even playing field or someone above them who they respect. And I would suggest them one thing that goes really far with them is to take them to dinner and just thank them for what they do. Again, often overlooked, right? A couple other things is number one, goals. They're usually very goal oriented. But here's the key with owners. Sometimes we want to control how they get to the goal. And with A players, you just got to give them a target and let them go hit it and give them clout here. Give them space to kind of grow into how they want to get there. And the last thing is, listen, often they have really good ideas. And if you dismiss them, they'll usually become very defiant. 
And this is where we often see A players feel really frustrated and leave. And it doesn't mean feed their ego. Again, back to the original question about ego. It just means talking to them equally on an equal playing field. Again, they're not an average 80, so don't treat them like an average 80. And one personal story for this for me was I was about two, two and a half years old. And I told my mom, I just didn't really feel like going to daycare today. So I was going to just stay home and watch myself. (laughs) And my mom was like, oh God. And she kind of knew who I was and she parented to me really well and didn't stifle that in me. And she said, um, she said, God, I was running late and I was, I was kind of going, oh God, you know, she's got to go to daycare. She's two and a half. Right. And she just sat down on the bed with me and said, you know, I know you can probably watch yourself, but could you go to daycare for me? And I was like, yeah, sure, mom, I'll go to daycare for you. You know, in my mind, I could, I could take care of myself. And if she told me that I couldn't, I would have become defiant. So it's just thinking about, you know, again, not stifling them into this box that we have created as what we call teamwork and everybody's got to fit this 80%. That's insane. Like at two and a half, I can't believe that. <laughs> but yeah, you mother I was reacted. often ahead of myself. Yeah. Well, your mother reacted brilliantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it hasn't changed. <laughs> Listen, offer recognition, provide opportunity, set some rules, give some goals. It's all there. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So if you're building a team, you said that your A players are your 20%. Is this usually kind of what a team would consist of is 20% A players or would your ideal team be all A players? Like, is there any kind of healthy mix that you can have within your team of A, well, I was going to say A, Bs and Cs, but I think you just drew the line under Bs there. Cs are gone. They're cut. <laughs> yep. Uh, C is 0%. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you are correct. Um, Bs are about, you know, I would say in smaller companies, sometimes it's harder to attract A players. Um, and so sometimes we'll see uh, companies have 10%, but I would say healthy is 20. And if you're really thriving, about 30%. And yeah, which puts B players at anywhere from, you know, 70 to 80 would be the healthy amount. Again, we're not trying to make every single person an A player. We're just trying to take the A players and let them run so that we don't lose them, right? So is there, I know you're saying, okay, so you don't want to make everyone kind of the A players. But you were saying that it can also be hard to attract A players to your team if mm-hmm. you're small. Yeah. Can A players kind of convert B players into A players as well? Or you funneled yourself essentially? Yes. Um, so B players are often, yes, the answer is yes. They can they can come into A player. Um, they can definitely do that through the right coaching and kind of letting them shine and, and giving them that little bit of boost so that they can, maybe they have been stifled throughout their life or wasn't parented. Uh, and they were downplayed a lot. And so um, maybe, you know, definitely. But the idea is, is most people are kind of sitting where they are. One exception to this, actually, it's kind of ironic, but um, sometimes C players can actually become A players. And usually they have to switch roles, though. You know, like, for example, if they completely switch roles, and again, in hair, this is a little bit harder, but, um, you know, working with my business coach, he kind of said that he has seen people move from C to A, um, but they have to be in a completely different role. And the reason they became a C player is because they beca- they had this really defiant, bad attitude, and they weren't producing because they just weren't in the right role. So if they are a C player in one role, you move them into another role, they're still a C player, then there's just no hope, right? But if they're, um, if they're B player, yes, they can move into A player, but usually A players kind of have a natural drive to them. 
And usually what's happening is people have A players and try to bring them down to B players and they try to bring their B players up to A players. They just kind of are who they are though, I guess is my answer, if you will. But yes, I would say about 10% can move. Some people you can only just sit and admire, just watch them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So working with your with your coach and building your team this mm-hmm. way, have you actually seen an impact on your margins or your numbers? Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's like, of course, you see when you have a top producer come in, you absolutely see their margins. Um, (laughs) And more importantly, though, you see it when they leave. (laughs) That's where you really see the margins affected, right? And I have had both experiences on both sides here, right? Like, I am not immune to having my A players leave. And, you know, I've had top producers that have amazed me. And I've also lost top producers, you know, not following some of my own ideas. And just because I've been a salon owner, um, a hairdresser who's owned a salon for 10 years, doesn't mean I've always been a great salon owner, if that makes sense. When I first opened, I, I didn't have a lot of this sense. I didn't really think about it this way. I mean, the only way I thought about it was just like how I reacted to it. But, you know, the number one reason that I have lost people is lack of opportunity and lack of vision. You know, they just simply hit a ceiling and they couldn't maybe see where they were going. But I actually have a second salon now and I'm building it and it's a little bit bigger. And I'm finding it's easier to apply this when my salon is a little bit bigger because there is a little bit more opportunity for them. You know, I've moved people into education. I've moved people into management. Um, I've been really clear on my vision the second time around. I've been really clear on um on having this vision and getting them on board and being really transparent. And I'm finding that they they become my advocates a lot quicker. And, you know, again, actually one of my strengths in strength finders is individualistic, which is the idea that I see people as individuals to create this team. And so I think, um, again, this is very personal for me, but I have seen it play out in a different way. Even just becoming a little bit bigger allows me more opportunity and allows other people for growth as well. The interesting thing about those strength finders is not do people usually say, oh, you have to work on your weaknesses to kind of bring them all up. Yeah. But actually, you should really focus on your strengths. And that is what you're doing there. This whole blog is just focused right around that one yeah. strength you have. Um, mm-hmm. So you were saying that you've, you're setting up another salon. I was going to say, what does a typical ad copy look like for you when you're looking for new talent? But there probably is no typical one because you like to split the ratio of your team. So what sort of traits would you be looking for, skill set aside, if we just focus on the traits of a new hire here? Yeah, well, great question. And to the ad copy um, element, I actually sometimes I'll run two side by side and it depends what I'm looking for. So, for example, if I'm looking for a um, more of an A player, I will use different language. And that's what it really comes down to is the language that you're putting out. And again, what you put out is what you get back. Right. And so I think you guys are attaching the ad copy here. So the simplest way to address this question is just use a different language. If you want to attract an A player, create an ad that, you know, the tagline is how much money you can make or like some kind of reward, if you will, and um, put in there how highly rated you are in Google or awards you want. Basically highlight your salon that you are a winning salon, right? And address things like advancement, um, put a really clear vision of where you're going and state the opportunities. So this really allows people to um, 
kind of get on board with it. Now, if you want to address the 80%, which we do, again, we most companies are built around a lot of this, and it's not bad. Um, you want to use verbiage like community or team together, flexibility, we're a family, you know, things like that. And that's going to attract just a different type. And what's interesting is who responds to what. So if you put these ad copies side by side, it, it's interesting to see what you get back and which one they're actually responding to. So I just want to be clear here. There is no right or wrong, right? I'm just trying to start the conversation around these outliers that can really help make your company grow. And you're not losing these top players, you know, to the chair rentals or opening their own or becoming advocates or leaving for a bigger opportunity. So I'm sure this will definitely get people thinking, heads spinning, and maybe even just looking at how they hire. If people listening to this episode could only take away one thing, what would you hope that would be? Well, I mean, I guess to not treat everyone the same, right? Everyone has individual talents and they shine the brightest when they get to utilize their strengths and find those Michael Jordans and help coach them to their personal greatness. And to me, it's all about personal greatness. And if you decide for everyone who you want them to be, you're going to stifle their performance and average out your top performers. You're going to take your top guys and bring them back to the average. So my advice is find your Michael Jordans and let them run. You know, there's a lot of great people out there who are often pushed down into the average few and people don't embrace the outliers. <laughs> Stop trying to put people into a box. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. I think like what you just said there is kind of like hit the nail on the head of what this whole episode is. Find your Michael Jordan. Be the Phil Jackson, essentially, yeah, of your salon. Well, his legacy speaks for him anyways. <laughs> yeah. He was such a great coach, you know. He really um, allowed people to be who they are, and I just admire that. I actually just watched a um, documentary on greatness as well, and it talked about some of the greatest athletes, and a lot of them said that they – you know, there's this thing in sports, they call it combine, I think, um, yeah. where they go in and they kind of measure everybody and they kind of say that this is what's going to make somebody um, win, right? This is, if they have all these skill sets, they're going to be the next Michael Jordan or the next person. But even looking at Michael Jordan, for example, he wasn't the tallest, he wasn't the strongest, he wasn't anything. Same with Wayne Gretzky, same with, there was a, a soccer player they highlighted in the documentary where he had one knee going one way and the other knee going the other way. And on paper, he shouldn't have been able to run. And he became one of the biggest soccer players because what happens is when someone has heart, they kind of defy the odds and they start using their disadvantages to advantages. And, you know, a great boxer had, had short arms or there's a lot of things that we can't control in a sense, you know what I mean? Saying that this is the way that it should be. And I think if people can just allow things to happen naturally, you know, Van, uh, Van Council, everybody on this podcast probably knows who he is, but one of his opening lines from a class I took from him was, if you want to grow, let it go. Very stoic. <laughs> right? So if you want to grow, let it go. Yeah. And you can't just, you know, define what should be because that's that doesn't create outliers. <laughs> and outliers are a beautiful thing. You know, I, I think people are really afraid of them because they can't control it. That's very possible. It's a, uh, yeah. Yeah. And there's three things that every employee looks for in a job that keeps them satisfied. And this is kind of across the board. One is mastery, which is education. One is autonomy, just letting them, you know, give them the education and let them run with it. And then purpose, which is also known as vision. 
So create a really clear, purposeful vision and people will really stand behind you. That's what there's a lot to be said where people kind of give out about having targets and KPIs, but they do kind of give you purpose because like if you're hitting those, that's kind of your fuel is to hit those targets to exceed those KPIs. So it does give you that sense of achievement. And if you are kind of the C player, then obviously you're always going to give out about them. You're never going to want to do it, but the A player will exceed those expectations. Yeah. And one thing I want to make clear too, that I feel like I might get kickback on is people talking about maybe um, like, I'm just letting these people run free, right? Like run wild and there's, there's no rules for the top. And I don't think that's the idea. In, in my business, I have what I call non-negotiables. You know, there are parameters that you can't go past. And one of them is just respect, right? Like you can't disrespect me or your other coworkers. Honesty, and don't be late. <laughs> I really hate late people. <laughs> um, so don't be late, but respect and honesty. And so I think you can still allow people to flourish by being respectful and, and things like that. And, and again, you know, sometimes we see the disrespect coming for people trying to fight for something that they don't naturally have. So these are my ideas. <laughs> Well, that's great, Amanda. Listen, thanks so much for joining us on the show today. It's been a really interesting one. And I'm going to go upstairs now and join my team of stars <laughs> <laughs> back in the education department. <laughs> that's perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. So that was Amanda Olusanya from Alan Ray Salon discussing her blog, Don't Build Teams, Build Stars. Really interesting. Um, it's a good way to kind of figure out your A, Bs and C players. Cut your C players first off <laughs> and then have a healthy mix of kind of like that 20-80% ratio then between the rest. And now to move on, I think we actually started this episode talking about education. So let's kick off the second half of our show. The first bit we have is the Forest Academy. We've already mentioned this a few times that we've announced early access to Forest Academy, your one-stop education shop. So what is it? It's an online learning portal full of fun, interactive and bite-sized self-taught training courses covering each and every area of your forest system, which you would have heard Zoe talking about at the start of the show. What can you expect to get in your Forest Academy? You can get interactive online and on-demand training for forest products. You can learn on the go with our mobile app. You have access to a library of regularly added and updated courses. We have three up there at the moment, three big courses, and we're adding more each month. And then we have interactive forest systems. So for anyone who's new to your salon and you don't want them playing around with your forest system, get them on board to Forest Academy and then they can use our demo systems online. And most importantly, everyone gets Forest Academy accredited. So you can get your certificate each time you complete a course. So send us an email because this is for clients only. You can email forestfm at forest.com and just say Forest Academy. Perfect. We'll get you set up for that. And if you're looking for a management course and you're not a forest client, we actually have a six-week program. It's free. It's hosted by business strategist Valerie Del Forge. She's designed this whole course to help develop your managerial and leadership skills. So each week you'll receive an hour-long presentation by email that you can watch in your own time. You'll also receive a workbook that will help you put those new ideas and plans into place. 
And finally, whether you're a forest client or not, and whatever you're struggling with in the salon, if you want to have a chat about it with someone who can help you see the challenge from a new perspective, we have what's called the Salon Mentorship Hub, which is a place to connect with industry mentors. So you can head over to salonmentors.forest.com, where you can book yourself in for a free 15 to 30 minute consultation on a topic of your choosing. The latest mentor to join the hub is Australia-based speaker, leadership, and business specialist, Kim Cray. She has 34 years of experience in the industry. She has a wealth of knowledge. She's managed salons at all levels, from single sites to national change. And she actually has taken three of her own businesses from startup to successful award-winning salons. She also has a reputation for getting serious results and having a lot of fun along the way. So to book your free consultation with Kim or with any other mentor, head over to salonmentors.forest.com. And well, that's all we got for this week guys. So as always, if you want to share your thoughts on this episode or have any suggestions, send us an email at forestfm at forest.com or leave us a review on Apple podcast. We genuinely love feedback and are always looking for ways to improve the show. Otherwise, have a wonderful week and we'll catch you next Monday. All the best. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. Great music makes great moments. Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Forest FM, the Salon Owners podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. We help salon owners get their clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.